0: we are at war that's the title of tonight's message is that we are at war just in case you didn't get a news notification no i'm just kidding uh we'll come back to that later but first let's talk about nature how many of you guys like nature nature is so cool N- nature is dope we'll get to that uh uh, outside, like when you're outside, you can get closer to God than you can almost anywhere else. I don't know about you, but if I'm in nature, I feel closer to God than I do even in here sometimes. You guys aren't surprised by that? Wow. Okay, no mind. But it's true. Like outside, you can feel closer to God than anywhere else. Like nature is cool, but nature can also be wild. There's a difference between going into nature and going into the wilderness, right? You guys, you guys kind of see it? Like when I think of nature, I think of a park. I think of like clearly marked trails, like a park bench maybe. I think of, you know, like flowers and sunsets, that kind of stuff when I think of nature. But when I think of wilderness, wilderness can be dangerous. A wilderness can be scary. Um, what? The wilderness is cool. And I got a couple like uh, of wilderness stories. One, while I was probably a junior in high school, me and my high school friends, we went to Turkey Mountain. Who's been to Turkey Mountain? That's not a mountain, but when you live in Glenpool andor Coweta, that's a really cool place to go just to get in, not in trouble. Not in trouble. So we were hiking and we decided that the trails are not cool enough. So we don't want to be on the trails anymore. The trails are too paved, there's too many families. We want to go off the trail. But we want to go into the wilderness. And so along Turkey Mountain, there's this trail. Like You can see the river and stuff. Um, it's pretty much like a slope all the way down. So we hiked down. We found some caves. We found um, some cool stuff. But there was actually a cliff. And in order to get down to the cliff, there was a down tree. And so me and my friends, we decided to go down to it. And yet had to kind of climbed down this tree that was laying down the slope. And so I get down there, and I'm like almost looking over the cliff. And they said, no, Robbie, he wants to come down, but he doesn't want to use the tree. And he slips, and he's sliding, and he is about to fall off of this cliff. And this is the moment I saved Robbie's life. (laughs) Except we talk about that, like, dude, you almost died that day. Like, I'm so glad you saved my life. He probably wouldn't have died. He probably just sprained an ankle, you know, maybe broke a wrist or something. But I saved his life that day, and that's a a way that the – Like the wilderness can be dangerous. Like when you get off the path, it can be dangerous. Another story I think of is when me and Brooklyn went to the Rocky Mountains. You guys heard the story about? I think last year, we were hiking around this trail with my cousin, and it's so beautiful. It's like 70 degrees. It's sunny. Like it's kind of hot. Like we have shorts and t-shirt on, and then the cloud is starting to come in. She's like, "Oh no!" Like what? It's like there's a cloud. Like what do you mean there's a cloud? It's like, you can't be in the mountains whenever there's a cloud, because a cloud means lightning, and lightning will kill you. Apparently, like, lightning kills more people in the mountains than falls or bears or anything. Like, lightning is dangerous in the mountains. Or something. So you're like, oh, No. And so we decided, like, we're this it's a loop, so here's the parking lot, there's a big loop, we're at the very end of the loop, we're, like, two miles into this thing, and we're, like, how do, we, we got to get back to the car, like, what do we do, we're, we can't hide under a tree, we can't just be out here in the middle of nowhere, so we want to try to get to the parking lot as fast as we can, I'm, like, I look at my map, like, why don't we just go straight to the parking lot, like, we don't need to go back around, like, we'll just cut through the loop, And so we walk into this forest, and I kid you not, it was like in The Lion Witch and the Wardrobe when they walk out of the wardrobe and they walk into Narnia and it's snowing. That's what happened. Like we were walking on dry ground, it was sunny, it was hot. Next thing you know, we're walking in three feet of snow. Every step you take, I'm going to my waist in snow. And then it literally starts snowing on us. And you're like, what in the world has happened? Like, you think Aslan's going to be somewhere around. But the whole time, like, we're worried about bears because bears are out there. We're worried about uh, mountain lions. Although, you won't ever see a mountain lion before a mountain lion sees you. Uh, And so we're kind of following this no cap, no cap. We're following this river thing, and it's kind of frozen over. And Brooklyn actually slips into it. If if her mom was here, I wouldn't be sharing this story. But she slips into this, and we're afraid that she might like get swept away in this frozen river, like get hypothermia, you know, all that kind of crazy stuff. The moral of that is the the wilderness can be dangerous. No questions. You saved her life. No. <laughs> 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 she saved her own life. No, 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 no. I'll have to show this to Robby later. In our spiritual life, in our spiritual life, we, God will lead us into the wilderness uh, sometimes. There will be a time that God leads you into the wilderness. In the wilderness, spiritually speaking, that is there will be times of testing. There will be times of persecution. And there will be times of temptation. There will even be times when you don't feel like God is close to you. And in the wilderness, you will find out if you are ready for war or not. And that's what God is preparing us for. He's preparing us for a very real warfare that we are in. And so he leads us into the wild where we face testings and persecutions to see if you are ready or not. So this is the second week of WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? And we're in this series because we're talking about the goal of Christianity is not just to get saved so that when you die, you can go to heaven, although that is a really big part of it. The goal of Christianity is so that you can become more and more like Jesus every single day, even while you're here on earth. That is the goal. Every action we talked about last week, every, everything you do is forming who you are, And every action you take is a vote towards the person that you are becoming. Remember, the thoughts you're thinking, they form what you do. The things that you do over and over, that forms who you will become. And so we're talking about becoming like Jesus. So if you're reading the Bible with us in our gospel reading plan, we actually read this story we're going to talk about today, last weekend. Uh, This is a story that happened right after Jesus got baptized. Last week we talked about how Jesus got baptized. He came up out of the... The water, a, a dove came down and landed on him. The heavens tore open. God speaks to Jesus and says, you are my son. With you, I'm well pleased. This story happens right after that. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days, that means he went 40 days without food, In 40 nights, he was hungry. He had to be hungry too. Then the tempter approached him and he said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world with their splendor. And he said to them, I will give you all these things if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, go away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and his angels came and began to serve him. So we are at war. Have you ever noticed that tension inside of you before? That war that's happening inside of you? Like there's that part of you who wants to do good and then there's the other part of you that, that just wants to satisfy that, that need or that craving? Or have you ever wondered like, why am I always so stressed out? Why is my mind always worried on something? Or have you ever wondered, like, why can't I beat this certain temptation or this behavior? Why do I keep going back to this thing over and over again when I know it's bad? Why can't I overcome it? Or have you, ever, or have you wondered why there seems to be a constant stream of bad news every time you open up your phone? Like, there's always some kind of new earthquake. There's a war. There's innocent people being killed. There's wildfires. There's wildfires. Or have you ever wondered, like, why do I even care about these things? Why does all these things, why does everything seem so heavy? Why am I worried about all these things? Have you ever wondered these things? My next question would be, have you considered that your soul is at war with another world? Your soul is at war with another world. There's a very real war going on inside of you, but not just inside of you, happening in a spiritual realm that we cannot see. There is a war going on. My first point that is that the devil is real, and his goal is to kill your spiritual life. Believe it or not, the, the Bible actually talks a lot about the devil. Uh, it talks, uh, here's Jesus talking about the devil. In, in John chapter 8, Jesus is talking about him, and he says, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Man, when's the last time you lied? What kind of category did that put you in? First Peter, he says, be alert and sober enough, and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. And then, a long, long time ago, there's ancient Christians. They wrote. They, 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 were, they knew a lot about demonology and the, the devil and all that kind of stuff. And they actually wrote a really good book on demonology and how to combat demons. And I think, I don't know what the title of it was, but I think it was How to Fight Demons or something like that. And in that, they talked about like how demons actually attack us, like how the devil actually attacks us. And they said the fight against demonic temptation is a fight against what they called logis moi, which is a Greek word. Uh, if we can get it put up there, because Greek is cool. Logis it refers to your thoughts, your thought patterns, your internal narratives, or your internal belief structures. It talks about the content of your thought lives. Like the devil, he he attacks us by the way that we think. He implants whispers. He implants lies and deceptions. And and the the thoughts that it's talking about, that word, it actually talks about like the way you view the world. Like the way that you wake up and you view and you structure the world. Like this is how the world works. And this is how I'm going to do things. That's what that word is talking about. But for ancient Christian writers, these thoughts, they weren't just thoughts. They were thoughts with evil intentions behind it. And so for Jesus, we know that Jesus I could just face this temptation with the devil. So for Jesus, the devil is not a fictional villain from a Harry Potter novel or or something like that. He's not just an evil villain, but he is a very real and sneaky source of evil, and he is the most influential creature on earth. So Jesus, he recognizes the devil as real, as sneaky, as evil, and as influential. And So we just talked about the first thing, that the devil is real, and his goal is to kill your spiritual life. The second point is the devil attacks by lies or deception. The biggest thing that the devil does, like the, the, the most, what's the word I'm trying to say? The, the biggest lie the devil has ever made is to make the world believe that he doesn't exist. A lot of people, you ask them, like, Satan, that's just an, like a, an idea. Like, that's just some, an excuse for evil that happens. That's the best thing the devil ever did for himself is to make other people believe that he doesn't even exist. And so with that, like, obviously he wouldn't go around possessing people. And so when we think about how the devil attacks, he doesn't attack us by making you do something. Like, he doesn't make you physically do something that's bad or evil. Instead, he implants lies and thoughts and deceptions in you. So if you do something bad, like the devil made me do it, no, you did that yourself. Like you, the devil didn't make you do that thing. Like he lied to you, and he made you believe doing that thing was the best course of action. And if you know the Bible, he even twists the Bible to make you believe his lies. That's what he did to Jesus. He even quoted scripture to Jesus. And so in this passage. How did Jesus, because this is a sermon about how to become like Jesus, how did Jesus combat the devil? Like, how did the interaction happen? So, let's look at the three temptations the devil offered Jesus. The first temptation the devil offered Jesus was a temptation on his identity. We see this in verses three through four. So, remember, this is right after Jesus got baptized. And he found Jesus, we understand that Jesus found his identity. In God, and who God said he was, because God looked down from heaven and he says, You are my son, and with you I am well pleased. And then he fasts for 40 days, and then this happens. First of all, like whenever you fast, you think that something spiritual is about to happen, right? Like I just fasted for seven days or whatever. You think that God is going to open up the heavens and give you like a book of revelation or something. And, and think about Jesus. He just fasted for 40 days. He is probably hungry. He's probably like, okay, God, I'm ready to go back to the city. I'm ready for this to be done. Think about how over it Jesus is. And then the devil comes. Like, seriously, like, dude, you kind of wait five more days or something? Like, that's what I'd be thinking. But Satan, he starts off and he says, if you are the son of God, he's attacking his identity. Like, Jesus just found his identity and who God said he was. And Satan, he says, if you are the son of God which is an attack on his identity. And he says, if you are who you think you are, then how about you do what you came here to do? Go against your father's will. And so the devil's temptation there is very subtle. He says, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. But that would have been going against why Jesus was fasting in the first place. Because obviously Jesus was powerful enough to turn stones Into a loaf of bread. But that wasn't the reason that God had him out there. God's will for Jesus was him to go into the wilderness and to fast and to be hungry, and for him to turn loaves and or bread and rocks into bread, that would be going against God's will for him. And so Jesus he quotes Deuteronomy and he affirms that man does not live by bread alone, but on God's word. And so to fight against that temptation, Jesus goes back to the Bible. And he says, it's better to obey God's word. It's better to obey what God says, God's plan. Even when, it's un, when, even when it's painful, it's better to do that than to satisfy human desires. The second temptation was popularity. We see this in verses 5 through 7. The Jews in the temple... They believed that whenever the Messiah or the Savior, whenever he would actually come, and we believe Jesus is that, but they believed that when the Messiah would come, that he would appear in the sky, and then he would just automatically appear in the temple. And so saying he was saying, this is what people are expecting of you, so why don't you go ahead and, and affirm what everyone is expecting of you? They expect the, the Messiah to come, and so he brings them up to the top of the temple. And he says, if you are the Messiah, then then why don't you just go ahead and give people what they think? Why don't you just give the people what you're expecting and make some great display? Why don't you show everybody who you really are so that they can believe in you? And it says, after all, the angels, they'll protect you. And so if you jump off this temple and the angels protect you, everyone will know who you are and they'll believe in you. And again, this is another lie because this is feeding into Jesus's temptation to be popular. To, for Jesus to cast them off, the off the, to jump off the temple, that would have been a dramatic display to promote himself, and people, to people, and that would have been out of God's will. And so Jesus he responds to Deuteronomy again. He says, "It's not right to tempt, to test God." The third temptation that Jesus had was for purpose. He attacked God's plan and purpose for Jesus. Because the devil knew that it was and is God's design that Jesus Christ would rule over the world. And so the devil, he shows Jesus everything, like all the kingdoms of the earth. And actually, this is kind of weird to understand, but the devil actually had the authority to give all the kingdoms of the earth to Jesus because the Bible talks about the devil, he says that he is the god of this world. He is the the god of this age and the prince of this world. So all the kingdoms of the earth they are presently the devils. Like he act, they are actually under his control and authority. And he actually had the authority to give them to Jesus if Jesus bowed down and worshipped him. But notice what he says: if Jesus would only worship Satan was trying to say, I can accomplish like God's will for you is to have. All these under your authority. He says, I can accomplish the will of God for you, and you can have all the kingdoms of the world right now. You can have them right now. If you just bow down and worship me, you can have these all right now. You don't have to do anything for it. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to do anything painful. You can have it all right now. You can accomplish God's will for you if you just bow down and worship me. He was offering a shortcut to Jesus to fulfill his purpose. But if Jesus would have done that, it actually would have prevented his purpose. Because we know that in the end, Jesus, he is going to be in control over all the kingdoms of the earth and over all of the universe. But Jesus' purpose for being on the earth, it was to go to the cross and to die for our sins to finally bring humanity back to God. If he would have bowed down and he would have got the kingdoms, he would have never went to the cross. And he never would have fulfilled the purpose that he was actually there for. So, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Whenever the devil comes and attacks us, he tempts us. He he tests us to disobey God. How do we win? Whenever we feel that war waging inside of us, how do we win? What would Jesus do? Jesus sees our primary war against the devil as a fight to believe truth over lies. The way that we fight this war is to believe truth over lies. The devil attacks us by lying and deceiving. Then the only way to fight back is to know the truth. That sounds too simple, right? Like if the devil lies, we win by believing the truth. But what is the truth? How do we know the truth? How do we believe the truth? Because that's what Jesus did. Like every time the devil came out of the temptation, Jesus hit him back with the truth. Knowing truth over lies is what sets us free. And so whenever we're talking about truth, that's a loaded word because I'm not talking about my truth and I'm not talking about your truth. I'm talking about the truth. We have to believe the truth over lies in order to win. So what is truth? The definition of truth is reality. Like when you think of truth, it's reality. It's what is real. It's what is certain. Like the air that we're breathing, that's reality. So if I tell you there's air in here, that's truth. The chair that you're sitting on, that is reality. That's not my truth. That's not your truth. That's just the truth. The chair's there. That's reality. This is how Jesus defines it. In John chapter 8, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed, he says, if you continue in my word, you are really my disciples you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth is what sets you free. He says, and and he relates the truth back to his word. He says, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. And then he says, the word is his truth. And he says, the truth will set you free. The truth is what sets you free. It's knowing the word of God. It sets you free, knowing the word of God, it sets you free because you get to know who God is you get to know who you are in him. And out of that, you get to know your purpose and meaning. And so we think about the ways the devil attacks us. He ta- attacks us by lying about who God is. He lies to us about our identity. He says, you're not enough. You're not worthy. That's not who you think you are. And then he lies to us about your purpose. He makes us think, what is my purpose for being here? Why am I here? Why, why, do, I need, why do I need to even live for tomorrow? He lies to us in those three categories of who God is. And so in the Bible, we understand what truth is. Because we understand who God is through this. It reveals who that. It reveals who we are. We understand our identity through God. And then it reveals our purpose and our being for here. If you know the truth over lies, you will win those temptations. In the word, you discover who God is, your identity, and your purpose. Jesus also called himself the truth. In John chapter 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, the truth. In the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's a great verse because it talks about a lot there. It even says, like, when, when you, someone argues about, like, oh, you can go to heaven anyways, you, you just gotta be good enough. You, like, you can be a Hindu, you can be a Buddhist, you can still go to heaven all the ways. This verse says that the only way to get to heaven, the only way to get to the Father is through Jesus, it's through believing in Jesus. But Jesus says, He is the truth. He's the truth. And truth is reality. So Jesus is the embodiment of reality. He's the creator of the universe. He's the substance that holds everything together. And if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will because the Bible literally says that he holds all things together. The bond that's holding the atoms and the earth together, that is Jesus. Not the physical Jesus, but the substance, the reality of Jesus because he is the truth. The band will go ahead and come back. We win the war and we overcome the devil by knowing and believing in Jesus and knowing and believing in the word. There are a few things in this world that are certain. You're not going to find a lot of things that that are certain. One thing certain is that the sun's going to rise tomorrow. Another thing is certain is that when I go home I'm gonna hit a red light. Like there's a few things in life that are certain. A lot of a lot of things are gonna shift. A lot of things are gonna shift and change. Truths I put that in quotation marks, truths change. Politics change. Your security on this world, it will change. There will be a time that you think, is this gonna be the end? Is this is this it? A lot of things change. There's a lot of stuff. One thing that's never going to change is the word of God. This will never change. This is certain. This is a foundation that you can build your life on. This is a foundation that when all else is falling apart, you can rely on the truths that are in this. We win by believing in Jesus and by believing in his word because everything Jesus said came true. There was one time that Jesus, he was on his way to the cross, and he was telling his disciples, he says, when I get there, I'm going to die. But in three days, I'm going to rise from the dead. I don't know about you, but if somebody predicts their death and resurrection and then pulls it off, I'm going to believe what they said. So he said he was going to die. And when Easter happened, whenever whenever Jesus died, his disciples, they didn't actually believe that he was going to rise from the dead, and they lost all hope. But Jesus didn't stay dead. God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says that while he was in the grave, because we believe Jesus actually died, but while he was dead for three days, he went down to hell. And the Bible says that he defeated devil, the devil once and for all. He got the keys of death, hell, and the grave, it says. And so whenever the devil, he was tempting Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, he went away and the devil probably felt defeated. He's probably like, okay, I can't, I can't tempt this dude. Like, he's, he's just going to keep fighting back. But whenever Jesus died, the devil probably thought he won. He was probably laughing. He's like, finally, I won. Like, he's, he's dead. That's, that's, like, I don't have to worry about it anymore. But Jesus didn't stay dead. God raised him up from the, from the dead because he was sinless and he was perfect. Jesus, whenever he defeated the devil, he won. He won the only thing that mattered. And in him, when we believe in Jesus, we get to share in that victory. We finally get to be free because Jesus died on the cross not just to prove a point. He died on the cross for you and for me. He was innocent and he was sinless, but he died carrying our sin, your sin, my sin. He died carrying that. That sin, he says he nailed it to the cross. That guilt and shame that we carry around because of the bad things that we've done, he nailed that to the cross. He died carrying that for us so that we could finally be free from the effects of the devil once and for all. Don't don't get me wrong. The devil is still out there. He still wants to tempt you. He still wants to destroy your soul, but in Jesus we are free from his effects. When you believe in Jesus, there is freedom. He says the truth sets you free. When we believe in Jesus, we don't have to get bogged down in temptations anymore. When we actually believe the truth, we don't have to get bogged down in this temptation to keep going back and keep going back. Why do I keep going back to that? You can be set free. You can be free. We don't have to be a slave to anxiety anymore. Always worrying about what's next. Always worrying about am I good enough. Always worried about am I ever going to meet those expectations? Is, is somebody going to like me? Am I ever going to get everything together? How is everything going to work out? We can be free from that anxiety and God can give us his peace. We can be free from depression, we don't have to be a slave to any of that anymore. As a believer of Jesus, as a believer in the truth, you are free with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you have never said yes to Jesus before and you want that to be true for you, you want to be free. you want to put your hope and your trust in him. You want your sins to be forgiven. you want that shame and that guilt to melt away. It's not too good to be true. It's true, and God's offering that to you tonight. And the Bible says that if you believe in Jesus and you confess him in your heart, that you will be saved. If you want that to be true for you, I want you to raise your hand so we can pray with you tonight.